Today, how to leverage automation to save time, money, and your sanity. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Rob Broadhead is an entrepreneurial problem solver with a bias for technical solutions. He has a broad experience with both organizations and technical platforms, including decades of driving his company, R&B consulting, and the skills needed to do IT consulting as a career. He is the host of the Building Better Developers podcast, manages an associated mastermind, and continues to help businesses find the best ways to use technology to improve their productivity and bottom line. We're going to dive into that today. Rob, welcome to Unbound. Well, thank you for having me. Having me, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is going to be uh, probably not the most technical of conversations, uh, but as far as like learning about automations, I'm super excited because this is something every business today needs in order to survive. And so, uh, let's start by getting into your origin story. Uh, well, I've done a lot of stuff over the years, but my primary job now is uh, RB Consulting, which I you referred to there in the opening there, is that uh, I got into consulting now uh, about 22 years ago. Uh, I had started out in consulting, like big six consulting companies and got yep. to a point where I said, yeah, I think I can do this myself. I did a, a side hustle for a while, grew that into a point where I'm like, hey, I've got enough. Um, I'm better off doing my side hustle than I am my day job moved into that and actually rolled back a couple of times because it was, it was such a solopreneur type of an approach where you get to a certain point and people are like, Hey, can we hire you? And, you know, it worked out just between everything else going on. I was like, okay. So I'd go back, but right. then uh, it's been almost 10 years ago now that I, I said, you know, forget it. I'd, I'd walked out of a job that was, uh, it was awesome. They had a couple of a change of management and it just sort of like it hurt. I built a team and <laughs> this guy right. came in and I, it was it made sense because there was two of us doing the same thing. But it was like came in. They sort of broke the team, uh, actually ended up rehiring a lot of those guys elsewhere after the fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go do it myself. I've got plenty of, of customers to keep me busy and uh, have just started growing from there. So that's, you know, I just took problem solving to uh, from doing it for companies to now I do it for, or doing it as an employee. Now I get to do it really more often because I have, you know, more customers and more problems to solve. Right. And you get all that freedom that comes with it. Mm -hmm. awesome. So I can do podcast episodes and things like Perfect. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so talking automation. There is, you know, the entire market obviously is changing like constantly um, with automation being one of the things that is going to keep a company afloat. Now, where should a company start with automation? Um, it's interesting. You should, it should be a thought. It should be a consideration almost from the beginning. It's, if you if you haven't, it's sort of like you know when was the best time to plant a tree it was ten years ago. If not, it's today. It's sort of that same kind of a thing right. where a lot of companies that's that's what they run into is they get to a certain point and they didn't think about automation. They didn't do things in a way where they were documenting it, where they were really examining their processes. So they get to a point where somebody's like, "Hey, we can't grow because we we can't hire enough people basically to get this done." 
and then automation becomes forced at that point. But then they basically mm-hmm. got to backtrack because they said, well, what is it we do? How do we do it? And right. um, yes, it's, it's really one of those, if you do it from the start, you don't automate from the start, but if you have it as a consideration that, hey, this is something we want to do, or there are certain steps that maybe we'll do them in a certain way so that it allows for automation down the road, that's going to be the key. Right. And so are there specific areas you would recommend just looking at initially? I mean, obviously, there's variables to it what does, the but it's, doing. It's really, it's your, um, whether it's your your primary work, your primary uh, processes or your secret sauce, mm-hmm. it's the, it is the things that you do each day that as you go through or each week or each month is sort of, it's really, it's like keeping a, you know, we do that anyways in a business, whether we're a, an employee or an owner or whatever we are, where it's like, Hey, I've got to do it's beginning of the month. I've got to do this. It's payroll time. I've got to run payroll. It's all these little things that we do. Mm-hmm. And we've already got these, you know, on our calendar or whatever they are. And it's take a look at the things that you do the most often because you, you know, ideally you want to start with the things that give you the biggest bang in the, for the buck. So the, the thing that either costs you the most pain, whether that's most time or you just hate doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also going to be the things you do the most often. Because if you do one thing and it takes you, if you run a report once a month and it takes 10 minutes for it to run, that's one thing. If you're running it right. twice a day, then you know, that time adds up. So it's a bigger hit and some bigger mm-hmm. savings. Right. And so you can be just more cost effective with yeah. that. Um, which probably does like just by automating now open you up to be able to spend some of that on hiring more people mm-hmm. via the actual human side, which uh I think could be the the ceiling that some companies are stuck at. That could be what unlocks it. Um so let's let's talk though, what are the some of the dangers of jumping into automation too early then? Oh well the like, the biggest is automation is like a is like any tool. You know, it's like a, it's like a gun. It can be great if you need to protect yourself. It's not so great if you're you know a mass murderer or something like that, or at least right. not for the other people. Um, <laughs> anything that you if you do things more often, mm-hmm. if it's the right thing, you're going to get more positive out of it. So like if you um, you know if like if every time you you get a sale, you make a dollar then the more sales you get, the more dollars you have. If every time you make a sale because you mispriced it, you lose a dollar, then you're suddenly going to be in a deep hole. And automation is like that. If you've got a process that is that is good, that is correct, that is it basically does things properly, then doing it more often is going to help you. If it's a broken process, then it may cause you lots and lots of issues. You know, it's like a uh, and there's a lot of th- a lot of analogies like that that I think people can think of. Like it's even a you know, if you've got a, a tire that's about to go, if you start you know, going a long road trip, it's more likely to go. If you're just you know hobbling down the street to the grocery store, then you're not as likely to have that issue. Right. And so, and I'm sure you can't even see that, right? If you're if you've started these too early, and you haven't actually assessed what processes we should be automating, things like that, you're not going to notice those inefficiencies that you've built in. Unless something bad does happen. Yeah, it, it really does come with you have to. There's a point before you automate that you want to do that thing often enough that you're really you're really confident in what the steps are and that they right. are the correct steps, um, particularly early on. There's a lot of times we'll in any kind of small business and even up to larger businesses, people will they'll just correct stuff. 
So it's like, maybe I'd say you, I was like, Hey, Chris, I need you to do this process. And you're like, cool. I know how to do it. And Mm -hmm. there's something that I told you that wasn't quite right. And you know it as you're going through it. So you just correct for it. You're like, "Eh, he didn't mean this. I'm going to correct it. So what I tell you is actually wrong, but what comes out on the other end is correct because you corrected along the way. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's something that even when we do it ourselves, there'll be things where we can go tell somebody, this is how you do it. And it's not till you actually step back and watch them do it. You go, oh, wait a minute. I forgot a step. Or that's not exactly how that step goes. And so it's really, it's examining the process because then once you are confident in the steps and you know that, hey, if I reproduce these steps exactly, then you've got something that's, you know, you can, you can start working towards uh, automation. And do you, as you're looking through those processes, uh, are do you have like an actual system for the prioritization as far as what departments are are looking at what, you know, the actual pain level, right. And the cost. Yeah. It's really more of a, the, the system is really more, it's a, it's an interview because everything is a little is it's really, it is unique. Every business, even if it's the same business, even if they both sell cat food, they're going to do it a little differently. And the, the, the team, the owners, everybody's a little different. So it's much better. The system really starts with sitting down and, and talking through what is it that you do? What is your, you know, your daily processes? Are there weekly processes? Are there monthly processes? Mm-hmm. Are there annual processes? Let's look at what those are. Um, and maybe the, like the quarterly, monthly, annual, maybe you don't look at them. You're, you're usually going to look at the things first that you do more often every day um, or that are a large portion of your day or that sometimes people flat out say this thing hurts. We hate having to do it. We need right. to fix it. Or we know that this is limiting our growth. We need to address it. And so that's then that becomes your priorities is, okay, what is your sort of like what hurts the most? That's what we're going to work with first. Right. So one of the, I, w- I was given a different perspective on automation before where it's like, yes, you, you can save a ton of time, and everything, but you also get to become more accurate, right? Because by just removing a human from some of these things, mm-hmm. you're, there's less margin for error. Um, and so how often, I mean, I guess this is like pure advice. I feel like there's so many variables on all the questions that I'm asking that it's like, I'm setting you up for a, uh, it depends kind of answer. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so it's like looking for what, what tasks do we have that we, we could automate. They don't necessarily take us a ton of time, but by having the wrong information could be detrimental to the business. Is there a way to identify those? Those are uh, that really from a, it depends. No, <laughs> uh, really it comes down to what is, and that's part of usually the initial conversations. Like before we even talk about processes is what is your core business? What is it that you do for your customers? Where do you bring value? And so out of that is going to be your core uh, your core data or your core processes. Like these are the things that if they don't work, there are going to be issues. We're going to get calls or we're going to have customers, you know, drop sales are going to be lost, things like that. Those are those pieces. And it could be as simple as um, for a lot of companies, it's just, it's customer data. It's, I need to have an accurate address, phone number, email, so that I can fulfill an order. And so the, the whole process of taking, you know, intake for a customer, getting their data, making sure maybe that it goes to the right, to another system, because sometimes, you know, you've got your, your CRM and then it's going to go out to fulfillment or something like that. Those are pieces that very often 
those are actually the ones where you're probably going to get a this hurts kind of a, a conversation because they're going to say, hey, we had, you know, we lost $10 billion in sales last week because this process was mistyped or, you know, we had human error or, or, you know, something along those lines. So those are usually the ones where it's like, look at what is it, what is it that is of most value to your company? And then that's usually where you're going to start to find those kinds of things. You're going to like say, you want to say, what can we do in automation, not just to speed it up, but to improve quality? And so I guess, what are some of the other biggest mistakes that you've seen, uh, with just automation in general, I guess, but so they don't make those billion dollar mistakes. Uh, the biggest ones actually are actually there's, there's several of them. The biggest one going into automation is not understanding your business, not understanding your processes, not understanding your data. There have been times that we've walked into stuff and it should be a simple project. It's like, hey, we just need to move this data from point A to point B, piece of cake. And then you start getting into it and you realize that their data is garbage that they've got like they've got duplicate records they've got mistyped phone numbers they've got addresses that are junk they've right. got stuff entered in the wrong field again a lot of this comes from you know human error you're going through and you just you know you accidentally type the and depending on how it's out you could put like the city into the state field or vice versa things like that and those things can cause problems sometimes because usually you know when you're integrating it's like now we've got to have we've got a different um, threshold of quality for our data or our process. So suddenly all those little things, like I referred to earlier, where maybe people make, you know, they fudge stuff to make it work. Now, suddenly you're putting in a system where you don't have the ability to fudge it. And now you've got to fix it up front. So a lot of times it's, people don't spend the time to understand their business enough. So you get into the questions about, okay, how does this work? What's this process like? What's the data? What does it look like? What's the, the valid limits on it? And they run into trouble yeah. with it. Um, the other thing is more on the back end is getting into um, that happens a lot is as people examine their processes as part of doing automation, they see where they can improve it. And so what they end up doing is creating a moving target because it's like, this is what we started with. And we start going along and they say, oh, wait, but we want to change this. We need to add this. And it's it's not invalid. It's things like, oh, that makes sense. But now you've got a moving target and now what was originally going to be a small thing can take a lot longer because you, you know, you sort of aimed for the first target and now you've moved it. And now you're aiming for the second target. Is there a certain amount of data that you should be collecting through like the automation process before even considering tweaking it, like making sure everything's running appropriately? It's getting the initial outcome you were looking for. It really, and then we, I think the, the biggest thing that, that people don't have sometimes is something that is a guaranteed, you know, from soup to nuts, this is what the result is. It's, it's a, it's a validation of a process. So you should be able to take it through your manual process and say, if, if I enter this information and it goes through our process, this exactly is what comes out. And then we should be able to, in automation, do the exact same thing. So it is an apple to apple comparison. Sometimes you've got stuff that, you know, there's like live data and things like that, that there's not really uh, what, what run into a lot is they don't have the equivalent of what's called a, a sandbox or a development environment or a test environment or somewhere that you can actually run a process through that's not real. A, a common example is people want to add some sort of payment processing to their checkout. 
And if the payment processing processing doesn't have a, a test or a sandbox account, somebody's got to sit there and actually go through the whole order, put their money on it, you know, on a card and do the whole thing. And then usually you can, you know, you got to go back and you got to roll back the uh, the charges and all that. And it's just, it's a real pain and it's very slow. So it's it's nice to have some some way that you can set up, you can verify the process, not where it's not, you know, it's not real. It's not live. Your risk of breaking things drops. Um, So one of the things you just mentioned for a mistake was just not understanding your business and knowing what processes you need. Uh, How how do you recommend companies start documenting this so that it is easy to ensure someone else can grasp it and you can? It really is. Uh, more and more, I find it, it is really a culture type of a thing is that there's usually the problem where you run into problems is you've got a company that's got a lot of different departments or silos and they've got their processes and they all have to work together and they do, but they don't, they don't document or what's probably worse is, you know, there's different levels of documentation. So it really does have to come up at the top levels to say, we want to be able to do this and reproduce it. And you a lot of times need to have somebody that's a, you know, the, the documentation police or somebody that owns that, that is able to go to the different departments and say, Hey, this is not correct. And it needs to be something that they usually, you know, there's, there's times that they're given the responsibility, but no power. So it's like, ah, Chris came by again, said, we got to do this, whatever. We got better things to do. So there has to be something that says, no, this is important. And usually what happens, you find this will happen like when a company decides they're going to go public or they're going to get bought because then they have to have all their ducks in a row. This is you getting your ducks in a row beforehand and saying, let's make sure that we have those processes. And the the red flags, I guess, if you're running a company is the kind of stuff, the statements where, you know, hey, Chris is on vacation this week. We can't do that. You know, it's the kind of stuff where there's like where you have a person that knows it or a couple of people that know it and they're unavailable for whatever reason or, you know, just you always hear, oh, that has to go through this person because they know the process. Nobody else does. You should be like, oh, wait a minute. You need to document that. And maybe at some point you have to say, slow it down. I need you to sit with somebody else and train them so they understand it. They can document it and then get that done. So, yeah, you essentially get to remove the bottlenecks. Of Which again goes to a lot of other, it's like, there's a lot of other benefits to this as well. So I want to talk about the, the scales, I guess, that you could be automating at because it is a simple, I use HubSpot for a lot of like marketing work that I do. And for some of those things, it's as simple as like setting up a form differently, right? So that the right questions are being asked at the right time and I'm getting all the information I need. No offense to people from Mississippi, but you can misspell that state in so many different ways. And I don't know if it's the education system. Uh, I hope you're not from <laughs> Mississippi. Uh, it, but uh, but by just changing it so that it's no, now it's a 50 state mm-hmm. drop down. Right. I, it's changing and I'm able to use that information because it's spelled correctly. And, it, you know, it's in it's the right thing to trigger something else, another action. Um, that's probably like a very simple level automation. What for people who are listening to this, they're probably wondering how complex can we get? So if you could just talk through one of the massive scale, like you're just something much deeper than you, I guess, would normally go into. What what does that look like? Um, the most you start, you think about it, it's, it's complexity of the data itself. 
Um, so you can have stuff where your automation is including things like validating that the, the state's right. And you can do zip codes and address verification and email verification and things that are, mm-hmm. and there's varying levels of that too. So your address verification verification could be um, as simple as like, it's you know, got to have a five or a nine digit zip if it's in the U S and it's got to be one of the, you know, you've got to select one of the 50 states or uh, all of the territories and stuff like that, whatever you ship to. And then maybe, um, yeah, and, and then maybe like the city has to be some reasonable name. It can't have, you know, numbers in it or something like that. So you can do, you know, simple things like that. Right. But then anything you do, you can get far more complicated. So there are things where some of the more complicated automations are when you start integrating with other systems. So it's very happy, very often will happen with um, like fulfillment type that actually orders of fulfillment happens a lot where it is, I'm going to take an order. So somebody's on a website and they're take we take in their order. And as part of that automation, we're checking to see, do we have something in the warehouse? If we don't have something in the warehouse, then can we order it? Can we get that in in time? If that can come in in time, then it can go off to maybe there's some sort of customization group. Do they have the pieces for the customization? If they do, great. If not, here's all the, you know, here's what they need to order. Here's where it's going to go. Here's the pull codes for all of that stuff. You know, the pick codes, if they're going to go out to a warehouse and pull that stuff out, they got to pull all that together. Mm-hmm. That's going to go integrate maybe with a shipping thing. So you make sure the FedEx guy shows up that day to, to fill that, that maybe is going to go with some sort of, um, validate that it's the boxing, the packaging is right so that the thing will fit in the right size box. And if not, get a different box. What's the shipping cost? And so they, you can get something very complex. And really what, what usually happens from the automation side is instead of trying to take that whole thing in one shot is you do it in little pieces. As you say, look at all of those steps because some, some businesses legitimately have dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of steps that are their primary process. There's all these things that go on. And what you can do is you say, okay, let's pick. And some of those steps may not be automatable, but you know, depending on what you have. So like you can't pick something out of a warehouse unless you happen to have a you know a robot or something like that that can go do it, which is awesome. But maybe you say, we're not going to get that till next year. So we're not going to automate that right now. But that doesn't mean you can't automate the other steps along the way so that you can, you take it in smaller bite-sized chunks. You really, and that allows you also to really refine that piece and make sure that the inputs and the outputs are a hundred percent correct for that step. And then you move on to the next one. Cause if you try to do all of it, there's just way too many places it could break. So you're almost looking at where is the first branch in this workflow and let's make sure we got the first mm-hmm. portion of this. The rest can be, you know, human process until then. And then level never thought of looking at it like I've that. Been in so. It's like, that's exactly it. it was we, we, you look at it and nobody really knows the process is enough and things like that. So we say, okay, let's start with step one. What is the first thing that happens? Let's look at that. Let's walk through it, see if we can improve it. And if we can, then we move on to the next one. And sometimes it's a, it's a, uh, you do it in waves where you can go all the way through, you examine all everything, you document it, you, you get the processes straightened out. And now that you've got some of those things in line and straightened out, you can come back through a second time and there's pieces that maybe you weren't able to work with the first time because of, errors or quality or other stuff or just technology. But now you say, oh, now we can, you know, we can do that. And sometimes you actually, through automation, you're starting to eliminate steps. There's all these things maybe that you had to do to correct for human error. Now you don't have to, because you know that it's always going to be, if you put, you know, one in, two is always going to come out or something like that. Yeah. When you were just walking through that example of a uh, process, it's like the amount of time that you can save just with this one example, 
uh, by building building the workflow right the first time. It's just it's, it's crazy. Um, so I guess how a lot of our our listeners are startup founders, and so generally, right, they're trying to operate leaner. They got smaller teams. Um, I'd say a good handful get funding um, to be able to apply to grow the company quickly. Um, is there are there any different approaches that they should be considering because of the way they're operating that maybe make them a better candidate for automations? Uh, really, it's it does come back to they if there's if you're starting out or if it's just you, even if you start out a year ago, but you're doing everything, then, you know, that's, again, that's the the best time is now to start looking at what is it that I'm doing and look at where, particularly for like a solopreneur, small business kind of thing, where it's like, what is it that I could, that I don't have to do? What is it that I, and you, you have to push yourself on this because the other thing you run into is a, in that kind of situation is you find that you are chained to your business because you don't automate, you didn't do stuff in a way that allowed other people to do it. So now, even though you've got your own business and all this cool stuff you can do, you can't because you always have to deal with the business. You always have to be present or part of every step. So it's start looking at stuff and figure out where can I either push this off or maybe looking at some of that is like, what is it, the stuff that you do? This goes back to what are the things you do a lot? Is there maybe a different way that I can do it? And sometimes it, it requires you to you know, get a consultant or and the consultant may be like your, you know, your buddy while you're sitting down over drinks, just talk about your business. Or, you know, if you've got a, a mentor or somebody like that, just so here's what I'm doing. Because sometimes somebody else's that second set of eyes doesn't have to know that much about you or the process to just say, hey, wait a minute, have you thought about doing this? Or, you know, have you thought about taking this slightly different approach? And then those get, you know, those are the kinds of things that I can think can get you opened up to it, but it really, it needs to be intentional. So it's one of those things that it's, it's not going to just like magically be boom, here's all the things that you can automate. You really have to think about your processes. And usually it starts with what would you, what would you want to automate if you could? And then, and maybe it's like, ask your question, if I could automate everything other than just, yes, I would like detail, what would that look like? And then start figuring out, can I do that? And if not, why can't I, what have I done to, to paint myself in a corner? So for a company that's looking to do this, right. They, they should find someone else to get a second set of eyes. Um, obviously I'm, I'm recommending, right. Just based on our conversation so far, they talk to you, uh, so they can bring in, <laughs> bring in a consultant who actually knows what's going on. Um, you get everything built out. Now, do you recommend maintaining a consultant who's like almost on retainer, who's coming in, checking, doubling down, or bringing someone in-house who now owns your automations and processes? That's another, I hate to do this. It yeah. depends, but it, <laughs> ideally, <Yeah. All> right. <laughs> you build a system that is uh, this turnkey. You don't need a consultant. You don't need change. The only time you need change is if there's industry changes or business changes or something like that. But some of those very complicated systems, it does help to, and some of those, and you're going to be big enough to do it if you're, if you're that complicated, probably to hire somebody that's sort of shepherding it along the kind of person to keep an eye out because things, even in an automated system, things can go wrong. You can have something go down. You can have, you know, you know there's so many things that can go wrong that it, it's good to have somebody that has been trained enough that they understand what's success, what's failure, that they get all of the, the error log messages and the stuff, things like that, that a good automation system will do. Uh, sometimes it's, and sometimes depending on what 
is coming through uh, that process, that automation. Sometimes you need somebody that is on a regular date basis doing, you know, essentially handling exception reporting because you get, you know, maybe you get a bunch of customers that come in and you're checking stuff and you're finding all these email address or these uh, shipping addresses that the, the customer didn't enter it right. And you maybe didn't catch it or it was a wrong address or something like that, where you're like, okay, you need somebody to go out and, and correct that or find out what the actual value is. You know, there's things like that, that sometimes you need a person. Uh, ideally you don't. And for, and that's usually my goal when coming with the smaller businesses to say, let's get you something that, you know, you can check in with us every six months or whatever if something goes wrong, which is every so often you're like, hey, we've got to update our our domain name or something like that. You know, just pop in and do that kind of stuff. But for day to day, you know, no, and it's it's automated. And if it, it usually is, if it's something that's that big, um, I'm usually going to either, you know, I'm going to see what they're what they're comfortable with, but probably say, hey, if we're going to go in and do this, if you don't already have an IT shop, you're probably going to have to to create an IT shop, and we'll help you figure out who, you know, what kind of skill sets and experience makes sense to be that IT shop to help you um, either maintain it, or sometimes it's just businesses are changing so much that you really have to have somebody in there that's constantly, you know, adding data, tweaking things because, you know, pricing, pricing lists change, they got to be imported, or you've got, you know, images got to be, all that kind of stuff that just, sometimes it's just, there is a constant state of, of content update that's needed. So... Okay, we talked a lot of a lot of stuff here. I feel like this was probably one of the best high level like automations one hundred and one class. Uh, I want to go deeper on tech stuff in the future, <clears throat> but right now I would love to go into my three kind of mm -hmm. rapid fire questions for you. Where uh, the first question is, what book do you think everyone should read? Um, honestly, I keep going back to it, and for this. It's because I reread it on a regular basis, and people recommended all the time is actually the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. He talks a lot about mm. high at a high level uh, automation and where you need to do that to make yeah. sure that you can't, because the whole key to the four hour work week is, you know, spoiler alert is really it's, it's building a business that you have automated. So you don't have to sit there and, and babysit it all the time. And there's a lot of stuff right. there that I think it's just, it's those kinds of things like, oh, you it's not doesn't get into details or the technical side of it as much as it's it's more about you need to think about this. It's like, you know, you find your if you find yourself in this situation, it's like, hey, maybe you should review your processes and look into automation. I'm gonna recommend actually you got me thinking of a different book, um, Effortless mm -hmm. by Greg McCowan. If uh yeah. Awesome. For, yeah, for, I think uh, if you do those, like, and those are the kind of books that show up all the time. But that's why is because they're they're very simple, they're easy to understand, and they these are things that everybody runs into. Yeah. Um, next question: What is next for you, professional? Um, I'm actually uh, got we we have tons and tons of products and projects that we've started over the year. Me and through the developer side, building better developers, and there's all these little things that have. They, they had a little bit of a life and we never really pursued them all the way because we always had other things. We had business that, that sort of stepped in the way because it was sort of a side hustle. And um, 
probably our next, there's, that's one of the, the two big things are growing RB consulting. It's always been a very small thing and I'm starting to try to get it on a path to steadily grow, bring more people in and, um, you know, get more people that can, it's another set of eyes and things like that to just do that better. And then on the developer side is it's, it's, we're looking at, at finding ways to put, go out, market test a lot of these things and figure out a couple of products and say, you know what, let's go ahead. And instead of us just using them ourselves and the, you know, behind the scenes is actually, you know, productize it and get it out there. Awesome. And the last questions, where can people find you? Uh, best place for, if you, if you are into, if you're looking for or into automation, the best place is rb-sns.com. Um, you can also reach me, Rob, at rb-sns.com. That's uh, out at the RB Consulting site. We've got, there are articles out there. Uh, also, if you jump over to Developer North site, uh, D-E-V-E-L-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. Um, if you go search like integration or, or I guess in this case, it'd be automation, there is there's there. Now, there's, we talk about testing automation there, but we also talk about some other stuff. So there's a lot of articles and content where we've we've touched on it and uh, some of the things out there. And some of there's a couple that are, are basically sort of like, you know, some examples that we've run into and some of the, the challenges in that that we've seen as well that can I think can be helpful to people. Awesome. All right, Rob, thanks for joining me today. Great conversation. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.